Outdoor Live here at CIUT 89.5 FM. This is Darren Kaster, and we're listening to The Green Majority. We have a very interesting show today for you. Uh, we've been uh, obviously following in the news, and uh, the intrepid Kevin Farmer has, of course, over the last few months been talking about some of the news coming out of uh, the CBC, or rather about the CBC from other news sources, uh, about some what some would call corruption i think uh, i think it's a fair debate to to try and suss out whether or not uh, it would be fair to call it corruption i i think i would be so inclined uh is to call it that but uh people taking speaking fees uh for instance of course uh rex murphy uh and peter mansbridge uh being outed as having taken speaking fees from various uh, oil companies and industries we've had a few other stories about that since then of course uh more recently in the news we've had um, some things about Amanda Lang and uh, and another, uh, I believe it was a city TV reporter um, being caught uh, or caught red-handed seems to be the word to use. Uh, Global, thank you, Stefan, who's just sneaking in. Uh, Global reporter who um, was found to have had ties to a consulting firm based uh, and had interviewed or reported on many of the people that had, had been there. So we actually sat down last week with Andrew Mitrovica. Uh, who is one of the journalists who's been following this uh, story very, very closely. Uh, we have an interview with him coming up in the show. Also, my intention this morning was also to uh, speak to Brad Zarnett from the Toronto Sustainability Speaker Series, that, or otherwise known as TSSS, um, about uh, an event that's coming up very soon called uh, Bay Street, Wall Street, and Sustainability. Does Do CSR reports resonate with investors, or are they... Just for show, essentially, is the subtitle there. Um, we are have yet to be able to get him on the phone, so I may not. Uh, we may not be going to that today. Uh, but r- welcome to the studio, Stefan. Um, and w- I think what we'll probably do is I think we'll probably just go right to the Mitrovica interview for now, and then we'll see if we can get Brad on in a little bit. Um, so the interview is, uh, was cut up. It's on our YouTube channel if you'd like to see. I, I've abbreviated these clips a little bit, and there are a few more clips that we're going to play on air today. So if you enjoyed what uh, Andrew Mitrovica had to say, first of all, go check out iPolitics. Uh, and second of all, you can go and check out our YouTube channel for the rest of these clips. Uh, but I'm going to start with uh, with one of the first ones, which was that I just asked Andrew to outline what was what was actually going on, just for context. What was the story around speaking fees and journalists and controversy at the CBC? So here is his first answer. I remember one uh, evening watching Rex Murphy uh, uh, eviscerate uh, Neil Young, Canadian artist, who I'm sure will outlast Mr. Murphy in terms of his... His, the profundity of his legacy um, in, in, in Canadian cultural history. And, and he just laid into, into uh, to Neil Young. And I remember that he invoked the notion of irresponsibility and that it was irresponsible for Mr. Young to make comments on the oil patch because of something he may have said or done in his private life. And that struck a chord with me because I, I, I remembered uh, in, in passing, that, th- that this fellow, Mr. Murphy, had 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 spoken uh, uh, to a variety of, of, of uh, um, uh, influential groups in corporate Canada for money. So then I started uh, in my former life. I used to be an investigative reporter, and I, so I started investigating. And it wasn't too long before I found a a, a videotape of a. Uh, sp- sermon, uh, not a speech, a sermon that he gave uh, at a retreat in, in, in Banff to essentially the oil patch. 
not only the oil patch and the, and the corporate executives, but the political and business elite that populate the oil patch. And he was in full rhetorical bloom about how vital they were uh, to the, not only the existence of Canada, but the continued existence of Canada. And in that very same speech, again, he, 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 he tore into Neil Young. I checked the dates of that speech against the dates of when he appeared on the National, and they were within weeks of one another. The speech that he gave out to the oil patch, where he received goodness knows how many thousands of dollars, preceded his public evisceration on the public broadcaster of Neil Young by, I think, a matter of weeks. So I began to ask questions of the CBC. And I began to say, well, what is the, since Mr. Murphy has introduced the notion of responsibility, how responsible is it for one of your high-profile celebrities to eviscerate another Canadian citizen without disclosing the fact that his bank account had been padded by outside vested corporate oil-producing interests? Huh? You know, you want to answer that question? Of course they didn't answer that question. Then they didn't answer that question when it arose that Mr. Mansbridge had done the same thing, had taken money from uh, the petroleum industry to speak to them. Then we began exploring other CBC personalities, including Amanda Lang, uh, who has spoken at numerous corporate uh, events across Canada for goodness knows how much money that apparently the CBC still believes does not constitute a conflict of interest which is, in and of itself, a, a, a lunatic notion. So I, I, I have, that's the backstory. The backstory is pointing out the fact that it, 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 uh, myself and a few other people uh, in, in what was dismissed as the blogosphere, notwithstanding the fact that we were once all sort of uh, card-carrying members of the quote-unquote mainstream media, right, um, uh, began exploring the nexus between money and journalism at, at Canada's public broadcaster. And we juxtapose that against the fact that Canada's private network uh, uh, bans, bans its journalists from accepting a dime for speaking or hosting or participating in a panel. So if Canada's, you know, you know, public, uh, private news organizations can do that, notably CTV. Why on earth can't CBC do that? Um, and, and that really is, they really still haven't answered that question. I think simply because they want, it's a sock to their celebrities, right? I mean, at the end of the day, this is about, I think, um, the bending over backwards to, to appease the celebrities in their midst. And because no self-respecting journalist, no self-respecting journalist, or anyone even who, who, who calls himself a journalist, uh, would take money from an interest that they report on. It's anathema to journalism. And if you do that, as Ms. Ms. Lang has done, as Mr. Murphy has done, as Mr. Mansbridge has done, as others have done, inside the CBC, then frankly, to my way of thinking, you forfeit the right to call yourself a journalist. What you are at the end of the day is a gun for hire and a paid shill.
<laughs> so next I asked him, um, well, you know, that, uh, you know, he has a, a very strict, uh, understanding of, of, uh, sort of how a journalism, uh, how journalists, uh, journalists are supposed to operate. So just as a follow-up, I, I wanted to be clear on his position on this. So I asked him, so journalists aren't allowed to have opinions? Everybody's entitled to the soapbox. Okay. I have my soapbox, but who's paying for the soap? That's the point. Who's paying for the soap? I don't accept a dime, okay? I get an honorarium. I'm speaking to you. Have I asked you for money, right? I suppose what you might be able to give me is a subway token to get me back home, okay? And I would refuse that. I speak at public libraries, okay? And I'm given an honorarium, right, to cover my expenses, which I then donate. I do not get any huge tax advantage from donating my 50 or $100 honorarium that I received from the Toronto Public Library to speak to people, right? Mr. Manfred says that he's, he, he, for example, that he donates much of his money. And I'm sure he lets his tax accountant know the fact that he donates much of that money. And the tax accountant writes that off of his, his you know, uh, earned income for the year. So he's still gaining a pretty good you know, benefit. Look, as I said, everybody's entitled to this soap, soapbox, but who's paying for the soap? Nobody pays for my soap. No one pays for my soap, right? Nobody owns me. Nobody can say, okay, uh, he's, he's $15,000, come and talk to us. Evan Solomon, for example, uh, uh, in, in, in just this past December, um, uh, the public appearances that came out in, in December spoke to an organization that lobbies the government. Apparently, this is against the new rules that the CBC has introduced. They're not allowed to speak to organizations that lobby government. It's right there. They lobby government. He got paid. I don't know how much he got paid. I don't know whether or not he donated the money, but he got paid. The other thing was that the people that had, had to attend his speech had to pay money to see him speak, right? It's anathema to what we're supposed to be doing as journalists because it's an exchange of money. It's called checkbook journalism, and they don't see it. And the fact that they don't see it tells me that they're more interested in padding their bank accounts, frankly, than they are in the profession and, and, the, and the guiding principles that are supposed to motivate what we do as journalists. And that is to remain, one of them is to remain independent from those we cover. You cannot remain independent from those you cover if you accept money from people that you cover, whether it's directly or indirectly. And, and I, am a lo- I am at a loss to understand why they are blind to this obvious fact. Not only are they blind to it, but their managers are blind to it, and they keep countenancing it. And it's disgraceful, and it has to stop. And that's why I'm going to continue to write about it, and I'm not the only one who's writing about it. There are many other journalists, former CBC executives, who feel precisely the same way as I do. And it's also important to note there are many honorable CBC journalists, honorable CBC journalists, who acknowledge and understand precisely what I'm saying. And they say it is wrong, that there is a double standard at place. And they, they know that to accept money from people that they cover is anathema to what journalists should do. And they do not do it. They do not do it on principle. On principle. And yet, there are a privileged few 
There are privileged few who believe they can do what they want, when they want, for how much they want. And it has to stop. Because, you know, otherwise, in, at the CBC, to paraphrase George Orwell, apparently some journalists are more equal than others. Let's talk about the money. Let's talk about the money. How much money these these celebrities are making? Okay, I don't even call them journalists anymore. Okay, just celebrities, right? Or personalities. Okay, these celebrities' personalities. How much are they making? So I tried to find out how much they were making, right? So in the case of Mr. Murphy, I went to his speaking fee agency, right? And I said, well, what would be the range? And they told me he could make between, I think it was uh, $3,000 to $30,000, right? I said, well, where does he sit on the range? Right? Is he in the middle? Is it the upper end? Or no, we can't discuss that because that's kind of like a corporate secret. Now, remember, Mr. Murphy describes himself as a journalist, right? I asked Mr. Murphy if he would talk to me, another journalist, right? Now, Mr. Murphy is forever lecturing the rest of us, right? Like, he, he was certainly lecturing Mr. Young, right, about his irresponsibilities and his conduct and his actions. And, and, and he goes on national TV and lectures and admonishes the rest of us about our conduct and action. So I said, okay, Mr. Murphy, can I, can I conduct an interview with you and ask you questions about, you know, how much you get paid, uh, the appropriateness of getting paid, whether or not getting paid raises any ethical questions in your mind. And he wouldn't be interviewed with me, by me. Peter Mansbridge, it's the same thing. Amanda Lang. Now, these are journalists, right? In their minds, they're journalists. In the world that I come from, I don't have people, okay? I don't have people that, that act as a buffer between me and other journalists. If journalists contact me and sort of say, look, Mr. Mitrovica, I want to talk to you about something, I don't say, talk to my PR rep, right? I don't have a PR rep, okay? I don't ask for a list of questions beforehand. And then, so this is the, the, I think the broader issue is, what do they get? They get to see a celebrity, right? That's, they get close to see somebody who's on TV, right? They might as well be getting close to, to, they might as well be getting close to seeing Pat Sajak, you know, of the Wheel of Fortune, right? A celebrity, because they appear on TV and get their photo taken or a selfie with Rex, because, you know, of the, you know, the, the attraction of, of a star. That's what they get, right? They also get access, right? And Mr. Jesse's, uh, uh, a reporter working for Jesse Brown now at Canada Land did some really interesting reporting about, uh, 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 again, um, and this was, again, being done organically because I was tweeting about this, writing about this, that she got these speaking fees, they looked more deeply into it and, and examined that uh, soon after she made appearances to, at certain corporate events, corporate executives of the of the of the uh, institutions or the lobby groups that she appeared in, uh, or the companies that she 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 was paid to speak in, suddenly appeared on her program, in these fric friction-free interviews, right? In these friction-free interviews. So you know that reporting. Uh, that raised even more disquieting questions about, well, what do they get in return? Well, apparently in Amanda Lang's case, according to, to Canada Land, they get uh, to appear on her program and get tossed softball questions about what they're doing uh, and how lovely they're doing it, right?
But what do they get in return? They get returned to see the Pat Sajaks and uh, the who's the who's Pat Sajaks uh, sidekick, uh, whatever her name is. The banner white equivalent of, of you know banner whites of the of the of the CBC. Right? It's it's just disgraceful. Do you think it's more no, 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 celebrity I, validation? I think they get I think they get both. I think they, they get both for a lot of their money. And they want money. And they want a bang for their buck. You know? Corporate Canada is not an altruistic you know, entity, okay? They want something in return, right? They want something in return. And what they get in return is a, they get to hobnob with an influential celebrity. Let me put it that way. Mm. An influential personality, right? And the, and again, I go back to this point. The fact that these so-called journalists do not see this, they are, they are apparently blind to this. It, to, to me is, is, it's all, it's, it's, it's mind-numbingly shocking. I mean, I, you discuss this in, and I teach journalism now. My journalism, undergraduate journalism students recognize this. They recognize this. But, but then we go back to the point that you raised earlier about, well, why, in effect, why is this allowed to happen? It's allowed to happen because there's a culture that exists, right? It says you can do it, right? You can do it. Look, uh, there was some reporting done about, um, some speeches that Amanda Lang did that clearly, clearly, by the letter of the CBC's so-called new conflict of interest guidelines, broke those guidelines, right? And their explanation was this. Well, yes, she broke the rules, but we allowed her to go there because she agreed to, ex she agreed to the invitation before we introduced the rules. So you, 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 you apparently draw an ethical line in the sand. At the CBC, they draw these ethical line in, lines in the sand, okay? And they make a big hullabaloo about it, right? But then they keep moving the ethical line. To do what? To do what? To appease their stars. All right. So that was uh, part two of the Andrew Mitrovica uh, interview. We're going to go to a music break now and uh, and actually just come back and, and deal with the last two after the fact. Uh, so you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. We'll be right back in two minutes.
right, and we are back. Uh, we're going to play the last uh, clip from uh, the Andrew Mitrovica uh, interview. Uh, we have the last piece uh, coming up in just a moment. Um, but before we go to that uh, as well, I do have uh, Kevin Farmer snuck into the studio, and of course, uh, Stephen Hostetter is here. Uh, before we go to the last clip, I was wondering if you gentlemen had any comments about uh, just the clips that we already did play. Of course, uh, Andrew Mitrovica there was uh, reporting for, uh, or reports for iPolitics. He was a former producer with the CBC and uh, works with a number of other journalists or, or who were formerly journalists or form- formerly worked with the CBC. Uh, and one of the main things that he was talking about there that sort of really caught my attention, uh, well, there were many things, and, and Kevin, I know you're, you're particularly a big fan of, of iPolitics and, and of his reporting, uh, but was just the idea of uh, where he was saying where, you know, they're, now that they're no longer at the CBC, they are routinely dismissed as the blogosphere. Uh, but they're like, but five minutes ago, we worked for you guys. And now that we don't, that we, you know, apparently we don't matter. Um, and, uh, I'm just sort of wondering what your, what your guys comment on that was like, is it, is it the fact that if you don't have at the CBC behind your name, that you're not legitimate? And, and if that's true, what does that say about the perverse inverseness of reality about so many of the actual honest commentators who are actually investigating things, uh, don't have the name brand and maybe can't get their message out there that, that contradicts the one that is being funded that, that is questionable, uh, uh, whether or not it's real journalism or just paid advertising. I, I think it comes, I think that's something that's sort of been built over time. Uh, for a long time, the only people who were able to actually do "quote unquote" real journalism were the people who were backed by larger corporations, larger industries, uh, because they were the only ones who had the ability to be sent overseas or to be, you know, the, the like you see in the early 1950s, the sort of what some people call the golden age of news broadcasting, uh, when when people when the only images that were sent were able to even understanding of of anything going on in the world were sent back by by war reporters, and they really did do- they controlled to a level of extent the actual understanding of. Any situation uh, to to way larger than is possible today. Uh, so I think that's that's where this whole thing comes from. Uh, we're we're looking at a situation where we every single ind- every single reporter uh, now has roughly the same ability to get almost anywhere. Uh, and you see even some sort of less less well known, less mainstream sources being able to get interviews uh, that would be absolutely impossible for mainstream organizations. Uh, look at what Vice News did with ISIS. Uh, the CBC is not going to send an embed someone embed someone in ISIS. Uh, that's just not going to happen. Uh, so I think it's I think it's probably a generational thing. I think at some point uh, we'll see a switch over to sort of the blogosphere, quote unquote, being a little more understood. But at the same time, it's the it's it's a platform. As as he said, you, you some people have a soapbox, some people don't. Uh, and but who's paying for the soap? Exactly. He's, he's, he's very adamant about that. He, I, I, he must. I bet he's used that line so many times, and he loves it every time. <laughs> he's so happy. It's a great line. Yeah, I would too. Um, so I think, and then I guess I think, the, the, I think the biggest thing here is that it's a public broadcaster, uh, and the CBC sort of has this idea of like their job is not to be a corporate mouthpiece. Their job is literally to be our mouthpiece because we're paying for them. Yeah. Uh, like it's one thing, you know. I think the the global news and this idea of sort of journalism is a higher field than other fields, and you're expected to live up to a higher level of ethics. Yeah. Um, is something that sort of existed in journalism for a long time. Uh, but I think that what the one step further the CBC is as a public broadcaster, and were that one actually footing the bill. 
Yeah, uh, I think what we'll do. Let's um, let's go to the last clip. It's just a couple of minutes, Kevin, and then we'll come back and and get a couple of thoughts from from Kevin on this. So uh, again, if you want to see these uh, independently, and uh, and my apologies, we're uh, experimenting with some new software today. It seems to have backfired a little bit. So sorry for uh, some of the uh, jumps and cuts there. Uh, if you want to go back and and listen to these uh, one at a time, as I said, you can do that from our YouTube channel. Uh, each of these uh, portions and a couple of other questions that we actually aren't going to be playing are are up there. Uh, you can find links to our YouTube channel at Green Majority. Uh, as well as uh, a new email list, which, uh, Stefan, actually, I'm, I get a little notification when people sign up. We're actually, we've had a lot of people sign up. We've had about 25 people sign up since last week. Oh, wow. Um, so if you want to get a once-a-month update about all the stuff we do outside of just the radio show, as well as links to all the podcasts and everything else like that, and basically just uh, here's everything we do once-a-month email, you can do that right from the homepage at greenmajority.ca, as well as find links to, the, to, the, uh, to these original uh, interviews that we've been doing and, and a whole lot more. Uh, so we're going to go to this one. So the very last question that I asked Andrew um, was basically, I, it, it was sort of, it's not even because I want to, so I, I hesitate to say I couldn't resist, it, but I almost couldn't not ask him about, you know, because he's describing this, uh, what appeared to me when he was speaking, what I would have described as a, as a culture of idol worship at the CBC, where the just, it, it was, it seemed to me that he was some, somewhat implying that it was maybe less outright corruption and more just these are big famous movie stars like Hollywood actors instead of journalists and that there there's almost idol worship and that it was it was less to do with outright corruption or intentional corruption and more to do with simply the fact that these people had such a an idol concept around them they were such stars such celebrities that they that nobody could say anything um so i asked him i said is this idol worship or is it corruption and and I had to drag in, uh, of course, the the other scandal that was not directly linked to this, but is, is linked to it because it's a horrible year for the CBC, which was specifically with reference to what uh, this the ongoing and still unfolding uh, epoch with Gian Gomeshi. Uh, so I asked him, so with regard to, to Gian specifically, but also this larger context in general, uh, is it idol worship or is it corruption? It's a combination of both. I think, I think frankly, the ethical rot... And that's what it is. The ethical rot that is hollowing out the CBC, that is hollowing out the CBC, I think it began, right? It began with the, with the exposure of the speaking gig arrangements, right? This cozy racket, right? Between supposed journalists and corporate Canada, all right? And people were saying, hey, what's going on here? What? There's a nexus between money and journalism that should not exist. Right? And what was their reaction? What was the CBC's reaction to that? It was dismissive, it was haughty, right? And one of the people that they dismissed, right? Not only me, but they dismissed Jesse Brown, who Jesse came on board and began to do his own work, and they, and they dismissed us as these inconsequential, insignificant bloggers. Both Jesse and I used to work at the CBC. I used to be, I was a producer at the Fifth Estate, their investigative program, right? But apparently they forgot about that, right? And, th and their attitude was to dismiss, to deny, right? And then what happened was that there was this, there was this, almost this, the, the story grew organically, right? Not only inside the CBC, but outside the CBC. And 
They could not control it anymore. They went to their usually friendly outlets to try to snuff it out and to try to cast aspersions about the people that were raising these questions, including me. And I'm sure they had their little reporters try to find out whether or not I had ever accepted money to speak, to see the all oh, there's that hypocrite Mitrovica. And guess what? Now, clean as toothpaste, my friend. Clean as toothpaste, right? So that's the way they first approached it, right? Which speaks volumes about their attitudes about accountability. Is it any wonder then, is it any wonder that allegedly a sexual predator was allowed to use the CBC as his hunting ground, right? In that climate, in that culture, right? So what have they done now? The, the blogger then broke a story that has, that to date has led, uh, to the departure of said alleged sexual abuser and predator, two senior apparatchiks at the CBC, and as I've just written, I dare say they are not going to be the only ones who are going to be, going to be asked to leave indefinitely or shown permanently the exit door. Right? So, I advise as I've done in my writing, the CBC to get its head out of the sand, okay, and recognize the only way that it is going to stem this ethical rot is by stopping it, by stopping it and stopping it now. And if it doesn't, there's not going to be much of a CBC left. And the other irony is, for all of the right-wing neocon hacks that have attacked the CBC, probably since its inception, right? The CBC's self-inflicted wounds, its own culture, its own culture of hubris, its own culture of, of countenancing this, this, this uh, 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 culture of celebrity, its own haughtiness, its dismissiveness, right? It's, it, in a way, it's committing suicide. You all with... The neocon hacks never this did this kind of damage to the CBC, right? That the CBC is inflicting upon itself. And that's, that's the supreme irony of what is happening over there. And the other thing is that CBC, people inside the CBC, you think that these stories are coming out, you know, that we, we reach into a sort of a treasure box of stories and pluck them out? No, the CBC, CBC, honorable CBC people who understand and who want to stop what's going on are coming to people like me, going to Jesse Brown and to others and saying, this is what we've seen. It needs to stop. But the people that run this place won't stop it. Help us stop it. All right, and that was the the final clip again. If you want to go back and and uh, listen to those sort of separated out, you can do that from our YouTube channel. You're listening to the Green Majority. That was Andrew Mitrovica, who reports now for iPolitics. Um, that was the the last set clip that we're going to play from that interview today, uh, Kevin. So I know that that was a suggestion of yours. I know you're a fan of of Andrew's as well. Um, did you want to comment on on either the uh, the earlier question uh, about that or or the later one, just the idea of sort of idol worship and and whether or not your personal opinion is? Of course, we don't. Have any information that that uh, Andrew or anybody else doesn't? Um, but based on your feelings about it, do you, where would you peg it as far as more of a idol worship thing, and they're just stars, and nobody kind of wants to say anything, nobody wants to be the one that that challenges them, or is this just sort of accepted corruption? 
Oh, well, hi, everyone. Um, sorry about the mic noise. I'm going to adjust my mic. Uh, well, it, it's, it's, it's both. Um, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago, or I referred a couple of weeks ago to, um, <clears throat> a, a piece that, uh, 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 Lyndon, oh, Lord, Lyndon McIntyre, uh, he's, uh, he's been the sort of the, the lead investigative journalist for the Fifth Estate for, I don't know how many years now at the CBC. I mean, this is a, uh, I mean, this is a premier investigative journalism show. And, and he's, he's, he's his own institution in, in journalism in Canada and certainly at the CBC. And he, he retired recently, but he also, um, submitted kind of an editorial piece, I guess it was to the Globe and Mail, where he was talking about the culture of celebrity at the CBC. And, uh, Jennifer McGuire, I forget her title now, essentially shouted him down and, and tried to can, cancel his, um, uh, his final interview at CBC. I forget the details now because this was a couple of weeks ago and I wasn't, I wasn't thinking I would mention this, but it's since it's come up in the conversation today. So, you know, he spoke out about like a, essentially a toxic culture of celebrity at CBC and in particular with some of these very famous people we're, we're mentioning today. And, and he got, you know, retaliated against almost proving the point, which is that you can't speak out against some people at, at the CBC. So, and, and other, you know, my newsfeed has filled up with, uh, other stories about about what's going on at the CBC now and and over and over again it um they you know people people discussing this are touching on the theme of of celebrity worship uh you know having said that um you know that's how you get away with some of these abuses of power is because you you have power and you're being enabled by the the culture you're living in but that's not necessarily your motivation for abusing your your power and privilege and, uh, you know, so people that are expecting or uh, accepting speaking fees, uh, and, and then sort of still peddling themselves as, uh, impartial journalists, that to me is corruption. Uh, you know, I, I, I snuck into the studio sort of midstream here and I, I know, I just remember from the original interview that, uh, uh, Andrew Mitrovica was saying, uh, whose resume I think is a lot more impressive than what we've given him credit for. <laughs> He's also a teacher of journalism, uh, 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 Anyway, he's, 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 he has tremendous credibility on this topic, but, you know, he was pointing out that there are, there are, um, ethical standards in corporate, private journalism that are f- far higher than the ones being on display at the CBC that, that, uh, uh, uh you know, journalists like at, uh, you know, like global, sorry, I shouldn't say global because that's, a, but, you know, shouldn't be, even though one was just caught doing something like this. Um, uh, you know, other journalists are like, uh, you know, global or CTV or anyway, the, you know, corporate, journalism non not for the public broadcaster they're not allowed under any circumstances to accept these kinds of speaking fees and you know so to sort of take a, like an abstract notion <coughs> or view of this a functioning democracy needs functioning uh, public institutions like an independent judiciary like an independent watch elections watchdog like a parliamentary budget officer all three of which that i just mentioned are currently under attack um <laughs> And it also needs a, an independent uh, public broadcaster. Uh, and in the case of this, you don't just, in, in the case of these institutions, and public institutions cannot function if the public does not have faith in them. So having said that, the, the, the punchline is that you, it isn't enough simply to be impartial. You also have to appear to be impartial mm-hmm. because in these, these institutions don't just have to function. We have to be able to have faith in them. Because they cannot function if we don't have faith in them. Um, so in that regard, uh, you know, the, 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 the moral of the story here is, uh, is that this, this is corrupt in the sense that if nothing else, it corrupts our faith in these institutions, in this particular institution, our national public broadcaster. 
All right. Well, I, I'm actually going to leave it there. We're going to go to our second break uh, a little bit early here because I, I have a couple of other articles on this very topic, including a op-ed that was written in 2011 uh, by Kai Nagatada, uh, who was a CTV bureau chief in Quebec City who quit. He was a very young journalist, uh, getting a lot of accolades for, especially for somebody sort of so fresh to the field, uh, and he just quit. And he he wrote a, a very interesting op-ed. Um, uh, that uh, I believe was in the Toronto Star, if I'm not mistaken. I'm forgetting that for a moment. I believe it was. I'm going to uh, post the link to it uh, afterwards. I really recommend if people are interested in this topic to check it out. Yes, it was the Toronto Star. Uh, but I'm going to just read one line from it because I thought it was very uh, telling. But we'll do that after our music breaks. So you're listening to The Green Majority here at CIUT. This week's theme is talking about journalism and its role in democracy and specifically in the context of a public broadcaster and what do we have what is the reality of what we have right now and uh, not what could we do but what must we do to to improve it to maintain uh, this most important pillar of democracy which is a way to get actual information and ask real questions to the public people that don't have time to get it dedicate their own time to go and look into these things and find out what's true and have no choice but to accept the news to which they're presented and this makes puts an incredible pressure and incredible responsibility in the hands of people whose job it is to go and look at this information and if we can't trust those people then we're effectively in the dark waving our hands around uh it's a scary situation but i think that we can do something it's just something that people need to be aware of that's happening and put pressure on for improvement but with that being said uh again we will go to our uh, second and final music break here on the green majority at ciut we'll be right back in just a minute And we are back here on the Green Majority into the home stretch. This week's topic is journalism. What is it good for? <laughs> war, war, what is it good for? No. Yes. All right. Uh, with that in mind, though, uh, Neil, our technician, is just going to quickly let us know what we were listening to uh, this week, both in first and second music breaks. Neil, what were you listening to there? Yeah, that first song was by Cold Specs, a song called Blank Maps, with beautiful poetics in it, so that's why I chose that one. 
And that uh, song that we just played is by a band, a roots band from uh, Toronto and Ottawa called Digging Roots, and the song was called uh, Spring to Come. Thanks very much, Neil. We liked very much both of those music tracks. Looking forward to next week as usual. Uh, so we're into the home stretch, folks, um, and I, I was... Uh, uh, just priming there that I had a little bit of an op-ed from a former uh, CTV uh, journalist who quit. Uh, but uh, Stefan, I'd like to. Uh, you said you had a comment first, so why don't we? Why don't we go to you first? Yeah, sure. It, it sort of came down to sort of. I got interested when uh, when when Ken was talking about sort of the idea of why this why the sort of celebrity culture uh, could would would arise in a in a, in a public broadcaster. Uh, and I think a part of the problem has to come down to the idea of treating a public broadcaster like it has to be a business. Mm. Uh, like, if you treat the public broadcaster like it has to be a amen business... Amen to that. <laughs> I just have to get an amen to that in there. Um, because if, as soon as you try to treat a public broadcaster like it's a business, then where do you make your money? You make your money on the few shows, the few big names, and you, that, they, are, they become... The celebrities are how you make money. Uh, you do not make a ton of money if you get a bunch of people no one knows and continually rotate through to make sure there is no chance you have journalist integrity. Like, to ensure journalist integrity, you never have a journalist last longer than a year. Uh, that is not a way you make money. Uh, if you don't believe me, go find me a celebrity, a movie that has had no big names and then they keep, like, movie studios use celebrities to make money. Mm. Uh, that same way that's the exact same way that you could uh, with a podcaster. The, the definition of a, of a Hollywood movie star is someone who can be in a movie and will sell tickets regardless of any other detail. Exactly. Or on the cover of a magazine, yeah. you know? Like, well, who, who, I mean, why would anyone buy 99% of what's on the shelves if it didn't have, like, a famous celebrity on the cover? Yeah, exactly. Um, so to carry that forward, I think, and I think that directly comes from the fact that there's a constant attack on the CBC from, from the right. Uh, basically the idea that, you know, it's not making us money or it's useless or whatever and they're continually cutting the budget. And I think it also has an interesting corollary effect, which would be that there are people out there who will defend the CBC to the death because they spent so many time defending it from these other attacks. Mm. Uh, which, is, which then sort of leads you to this idea that no, CBC is always right. Because outside is attacking the CBC, and then they see sort of, you, you can easily see how that could end up being a you see one side attack of cutting the budget as the same kind of attack as your celebrities are faulty. Yeah, uh, and and because all attacks are on the CBC, and the CBC must be insular and defend itself. Yeah, uh, and in that in that sort of understanding of the world, you see very clearly how a you need to make a ton of money and you need to defend yourself on all costs. What does that get you? It's a bunch of celebrities that you must defend at all costs. Yeah, uh, because that is how you have built your brand. And if you can't make it, and you know, as soon as especially when you see the lose the budget budget crunch that must have come down from losing hockey in Canada, where are they going to make find their money? Um, and so every single attack on this sort of issue comes from that area. Which is interesting about that is, of course, the value of public broadcaster is here's an idea of here's an, here's something uh, that is supposed to be a way not to be influenced by uh, by the outside world. The point is that this is for us, uh, and how it's, it's it's funny that that's the way everything else is unfolded. It is allowed for that direct one purpose of public broadcaster to be the exact thing that they're currently failing on. Yeah, it's it was sort of like a, a, a comparison, and it's not a clean one, but I think it's amusing, so I'm going to say it anyway. Um, it was just like you know, if if we did public policy for like public planning, like municipal planning decisions, by the same rhetoric of well, whatever sells is what we should put on the CBC, then instead of roads, we'd have water slides mm. everywhere, right? <laughs> that would be awesome, but it's not a good idea <laughs> because that's not what roads are for. 
Uh, and that's not good or use of public funding, as much as that would be amazing. Uh, so quickly, I'm just going to read this uh, again. It's just a very, very short clip from an op-ed that was uh, written by uh, Kai Nagata, who's a former City TV bureau chief in Quebec City. The, uh, the op-ed he wrote uh, was basically, it's, it's why I quit CTV News. Uh, it's from 2011, in July of 2011. And I'm just going to read a very short paragraph from the middle of it, and I'm certain utmost confidence, even though Kevin hasn't seen or read this, uh, that Kevin, you will have something to say about it when I'm done. So I'll throw to you right after this. He says, TV news is a curious medium. You don't always know whose interests are being served or ignored. Although bounded by certain federal regulations, most of what you see in a newscast is actually defined by an internal code, an editorial tradition handed down from one generation to the next. But the key is it's self-enforced. Various industry associations hear complaints and can issue recommendations or reward exemplary work with prizes. There are also watchdogs with varying degrees of clout. But these entities have no enforcement capacity. Underneath, uh, underneath this lies the fact that information is a commodity and private TV networks are supposed to make money. All stations, publicly funded or not, want to maintain or expand their viewer tip, viewership. This is what I'd call the elephant in the room. Kevin Farmer. You know, I actually, I think I did read that. Um, <laughs> not this week. Not for this week's show, anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to make three, two quick points. Uh, Stefan touched on something, which is, which is, which is, I think bears emphasizing is, is that we're all guilty of the cult of celebrity. That's why celebrities become celebrities. If we weren't, if we weren't as consumers glomming onto the opinions of celebrities because they're famous, um, then, then there, no one would be packaging them for us and, and selling, sell, using them to sell us as audiences. Um, uh, the, the, uh, it's, and I actually forget point number two. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah. And the other thing, sorry, point number two was, uh, along, along, uh, sort of a, a comorbidity of that is, is, is this other notion that, uh, you know, when considering that we're running these things as businesses, which which might be antithetical to their to their to their actual purpose, or uh, is is this notion that the other thing that sells is sensationalism? So if you want a newsfeed full of you know Rob Ford's latest antics, we're guilty of that as well because we're the ones cl- you know clicking on that, tuning in for that, and you know it, you need a countervailing force against these things, and that's why I'm always going to defend a public broadcaster, which has been under attack, mind you, not just from the left wing, but from the PMO's office it, throughout my entire life, because they they, they, um, they are an impediment to controlling the message. So, so actually, politicians have been, throughout my life, very, um, the Prime Minister's office has, uh, has always been um, less than warm and cuddly to the CBC because, and in today's age, the, 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 the desire to control the message is exponentially greater because the, the message, the message media are exponentially more diverse now. Uh, so I, I think that's just sort of bringing that particular, uh, tension to a head. I'm gonna, I've said this before on the show and I'm gonna bring it up because I've, I've always, I've always been fascinated by this. A few years ago, some years ago now, the global news, global, gl- the global television station, was hyping their new show, Prison Break, a lot. I used to watch the global um, 6 o'clock newscast. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not that I watch so much TV, but I, I, I remember noticing at the time that I, I was seeing a lot of ads for Prison Break, even Subway ads. I mean, they were pushing this show. So it really jumped out at me on the day of this series premiere of Prison Break, Global News, the evening newscast, had a news item, a news segment about a prison break. 
I mean, it might have escaped my notice entirely,、um, except they were using the title graphics for the show. <laughs> the actual title graphics for Prison Break, the show, were what was the, the splash on the,、uh, accompanying this news segment. <clears throat> I mean, maybe they were just short on graphics that day. I don't know. Like, it, it, so, so, so maybe this story is just breaking news. I need to hear. No, it was some Prison Break from 50 years ago in Ontario. This is breaking news, people. On the day this show is is airing its series premiere, that's a that's a coincidence. It's just a little too hard to swallow.、Um, all right, fine. So it's a fifty year old story,、uh, but maybe it's got some value. So this is just some horrible coincidence. Except a year later, God help me, I was watching Global News again the day of the series premiere of seasons two of Prison Break. They ran another news segment about a prison break. Using the title graphics for the show, this should all be a matter of public record. My complaints to the CRTC about this might be a matter of public record, for all I know.、Um, and lo and behold, as fate would have it, there was a prison break that day in the states, and about half a dozen low-risk offenders escaped from prison, were rounded up in about two or three hours, returned to incarceration, and outside of the news covering that municipality. In the states, I think the only other news entity that picked up on this story was Global News. <clears throat> Here in Canada, the day the show Prison Break was premiering, seasons two was the series premiere was occurring. I mean, I got through to an editor on the phone and I said, "Do you? What are you doing?" Right? Like I was a lot more polite. Than <laughs> and we had a very polite conversation. Where I kid you not,、uh, I heard a sentence that included this clause. Well, we do have a business model. Okay, fine. So what you're telling me here, to cut to the punchline, is you're going to report news that promotes your business model.、Uh, an immediate corollary to that might be: Are you filtering news from me that might hurt your business model? How can I trust that this is news in the public interest, which is what news is supposed to be, and that's why you're supposed to report it as a journalist? Or this is news in the in the private interest, and uh, uh, you know, you know how.、Uh, How, how can I? How can I? How can?、Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. How can? How can I trust that that you're reporting、uh, this news because it because it's in the the uh, the? Uh, oh, damn, I totally lost my train of thought there. This is this is a problem getting riled up. Stefan was ready if you want to. I was just jump. I was going to jump in and, and say that what you need, what you're saying is that we need a show called Climate Change to occur.、Uh-huh. Uh, maybe have a premiere every single day. Uh, a new one, maybe a different show. Maybe just have like a billion shows. Oh yeah, sorry. It, because because my brain just hit that that gear just clicked in. The the pub the airwaves are not private property. Corporations do not own the airwaves on which they broadcast. They are considered to be a public good. There's only so many of them. There's there's only so much broadcast spectrum. So we license you know spectrum to these entities to broadcast on. And if you're going to if you're going to peddle yourself as a news show. Journalism in the public interest, then you do not have a right, and you do not have a right, in my opinion. Although apparently the CRTC disagrees with me because they never responded to this complaint, you do not have a right to hijack those public airwaves under the guise of a news show to to trot out prison break stories with prison break graphics on the day you're you're you know of the the series premieres of of your show. And I I think you know you you know just um um the the next sound they heard from me was click. I've never watched that newscast again. Uh, I don't trust them, but you know, to 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 put this in the co- the context,、uh, when we talk about corporate media,、um, uh, I'm always going to bring up that example. They are without a doubt going to either promote news or filter news 
based on their business models, and I don't think we can expect them to do otherwise. Yeah. Well, at the end, you know, at the end of their at the end of their logos, like well, you know, we're talking about uh, CTV here for a moment, so we'll keep it that. So it says CTV News trademark, right? And I I think a lot of people think that the trademark is on the CTV part. It's not. It's on the news part. <laughs> news. Well, I mean, and. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. But I think that the final thing, we're, we're into the, the home stretch here with just about five minutes left. Uh, and so the last thing I'll sort of throw around the table would be the idea of the corollary, which is, uh, yes, I think there's some exceptional uh, investigative journalism being done by a wide variety of underappreciated, independent, uh, formerly, some of them formerly with major institutions, some of them not. Um, but a, there's a wide variety of, of very respectable and, and very uh, for doing it for the right reasons, investigative journalists in Canada. But, you know, you can also go on the internet and find a whole bunch of hooey. Uh, you can also find a whole bunch of stuff who's basically the same as what we're criticizing, which is people who have a business model, they don't have their own TV show, but, you know, I could name, for instance, like stuff like Breitbart, uh, which if you don't know what that is and don't, don't don't even Google continue it. Continue not knowing. Um, continue not knowing. But it's kind of like an even more acidic and hateful version of Fox News um, that they get away with because it's a blog and pretty much only people that agree with them ever go to that news uh, to that news source, quote unquote. Um, but sort of like so. I mean, I guess what do we do? And I, I mean, I know there's not an answer there, but I guess sort of what do you what do you feel about how we start making progress on that? Because if the only people we can really trust are the independents, but we don't even know which ones of those we can trust. What what do we do? What does the public do? What's what's the next step? I mean, aside from listening to us, but right. <laughs> of course, uh, I once I once asked someone uh, what to do. Uh, like I, I, a friend, I knew, I knew a friend who had a bunch about about the economy, you know, economists, uh, and I I know some, but I've never taken more than one course. It's not something that I consider myself well versed in. And so I was like, how on earth am I supposed to make any reasonable judgment on on, on the economy or what economists think uh, without this amount of knowledge? Uh, and his answer was, well, find an economist that he agrees with you on the things that you know about, and then just trust him on everything else. Uh, and and I, I, I took that as, as kind of cynical, but at the same time, a decent advice as a way to go about it. Um, <laughs> well, there's that thing about Reed, and, and this is horrible because the person that said it to me was using this to justify something I knew was nonsense, but it was the three-book rule. If you can find three books that say the same thing, it, you can assume it's true, and I just face-palmed well, yeah. quite literally in front of them. It's the 75-blog rule. <laughs> um, but but it was basically, like I think... I think where do you go? You find the people you trust, and that's it. You you know, there's there's always going to be people out there doing great work, uh, but you have to do your own research. It's <laughs> it's more work than it is not, uh, as everything else in the in the world is. Yeah. Uh, you, if you want to get answer, you have to go and find it yourself. Yeah. And I, I mean, I th- and I think that you know, for now, like what I would like to see, and and Kevin, we'll we'll go to you for a final comment just uh, here in one second. But I, I, I think that the thing must be is that we, there has to be a way, in the sense that I mean, Kevin, you mentioned that uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, political like finance board and something. Sorry, I forget what it's called, but uh, the, the the financial officer that's looking at a political oh, the parliamentary uh, budget parliamentary officer. budget yeah. officer yeah. Uh, stuff like that are currently under attack. But for for the exact same reason that we have those people, um, I, I mean, I think that because there is such a profit motive for these big corporations, I don't know. I think some combination of yes, putting you know an uh, an overarching ethics board together, whatever. But we have stuff like that, and, and it's not it doesn't have teeth. And I, I don't know that making a new one is necessarily the answer. That also probably won't have teeth. Um, so I mean, maybe you know, maybe it's time to discuss pushing some of the parties in Canada to uh, maybe like do something like cement protected funding for 
independent journalists and have some sort of intake to make sure that the money gets to the right people. But it, I mean, even that's not a clean suggestion. So, I mean, I don't know. We, we only have sort of a, a, a minute here, but um, do you have any sort of cynical advice about progress to be made here other than people doing what they're never going to do uh, largely in the public, which is go out and do a whole bunch of research on their own? Wow. Yeah. Um, the uh, Cynical advice. It's a cynical problem. Um, we behave badly. And some of the things we have to examine are, you know, the influence of money, the, uh, the power, the, just the, the totally unbalanced power corporations have in today's society. Uh, and, um, you know, we, 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 yeah, I, I mean, the, we just can't, we, we just cannot have this, this level of, of an, of an imbalance in power in society. Uh, you know, just to close out, you know, the other week or over the holidays when we were playing some different stuff, you played that clip from the, the movie broadcast mm, uh, network uh, network, sorry, yeah, which yeah. was actually on TV the other night. Um, and it was the classic rant where, you know, I'm fed up and I'm not going to take this anymore. And he was talking about things like, you know, corporate uh, nations and, and this and other thing. And he was, he was talking about some, he was touching on like the imbalance of corporate power and the, the corruption of news media and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking ever since then, uh, you, you know, that, that conversation is valid today. It, it's more valid today. In fact, it is, it is the, the difference between the, that rant in the seventies, which is when it was written, uh, and then that rant today. Is that it's 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 vastly more relevant, and we are all of us so thoroughly saturated by all of the abuses of power and corruption of media that have gone on since then that we're less likely to 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 stick our heads out the window and say just that, even though today the 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 need is vastly greater for that particular uh, sentiment and reaction. All right, Kevin. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. See everybody next week.